It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Well, happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul Dettino, Jeff Fiegel's with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513. And again, hashtag Giants Chat. If you want to get in touch with us that way, we'll try to keep an eye on that throughout the show. Though I know the phones are going to be busy, so we'll try to get to as many of your calls as we possibly can. And we'll, and we'll get to your calls around 1210, folks. We want to make sure you get a chance to get in, give your opinion, uh, because there's not a, a ton of news to talk about, guys. Obviously, we had John Maris press conference yesterday. You guys did a great job uh, addressing that. Let's kind of settle in to start here where we are on the general manager search. I think that's a good place to start. So the Giants have announced a number of interviews as the process continues, and the list is out there. It's public who they've requested interviews with. We can obviously talk about those guys too. But the guys that they have now have announced that they've interviewed is Joe Shane, the Buffalo Bills assistant general manager, Adrian Wilson, the Cardinals vice president of pro personnel, also former Pro Bowl safety, if you guys remember that. Quentin Harris, former teammate of Jeff Fiegel's, <laughs> at least for a training camp, who Jeff, of course, does not remember. Um, he's the <laughs> Arizona Cardinals VP of player personnel. Uh, Ryan Poles, he is the Kansas City Chiefs executive director of player personnel. And those are the interviews that have taken place so far as this process continues. So, guys, why don't we start here? Because I don't think we've actually had this conversation yet. I'm going to put you in a disguise, and I'm going to get you in a Zoom meeting with each one of these candidates, and, and they're going to, for some reason, believe that you're John Mara or Steve Tisch. What are going to be your questions and your priorities for deciding who you think would be a good general manager for the New York football giants? Paul, why don't we start with you? Well, first question is, what can you do to make sure the Knicks win the NBA championship? <laughs> okay. Uh, sir, I'm in the wrong building. I'm not here for. Uh, I'm here for the football team, not the Knicks. Who are you? And, and and then the Zoom call ends, and the Giants miss out on a good general manager candidate. <laughs> there you go. No, I think I think in all honesty, John, um, the the list of nine reported names, and we've talked about this because we've done the videos for the uh, website. Uh, includes eight guys who have had not only college scouting experience, but also pro scouting experience. And I think, to me, that's very significant. Only one of the, the, the nine reported names does not have college scouting experience. And I think that's, that's a, a very critical item because the Giants have five draft picks in the first three rounds this year. We know that they're primarily going to have to add new players via the draft. Free agency is, is not going to be much of an option because they won't have a lot of money. So the guy who comes in and takes this general manager's job, in my mind, needs to understand what it is he's looking at when he's scouting these college players and prepping and getting ready for the combine and, and going through all the things with the personnel department as they sort through these prospects. I don't think it's a coincidence that eight of the nine have had that college scouting experience. I think there was a reason for that. And so the, the one thing that I would want to do right away is say, okay, when you prep 
for your draft, whether or not you were the assistant GM, the uh, the personnel guy, whatever level that you had been involved in with your draft at your prior stops, I would want to know what were your requirements and how did you conduct your research going into that draft with your organization? Obviously, they weren't the head guy because none of these people have been GMs in the NFL before, at least none of the ones on the list. So that's the first thing that I would want to know. How how did you guys do that where you were, and how would you implement that here? That's first. My second question, I suppose, would be what kind of coach are you looking for? But I do think the first one would have to be more about the prospects and how you're going to conduct the draft. Jeff? That's it? That's it? Well, those are my top two. Well, he asked for the priority, yeah, right? I said priority. Okay. All right, how about right, you, Jeff? Well, well, I have a lot. I have more than two. Go ahead. So I give you. I, I, okay, I'm just gonna. I'm in no particular order. Give okay? me your but spiel. Gonna, I want the ra- full Jeff Eagle okay. spiel. Well, the first thing is, is to thank you for coming in. We feel like you're <laughs> highly qualified. <laughs> and by the way, do you, do you want Knicks tickets? <laughs> no, I hate the Knicks. <laughs> okay. So I could care less about the Knicks. I'm a Phoenix Suns guy. All right, they're okay. I don't need your opinion for that. Well, after you stuck us with Truck Robinson years ago, Truck I'm sorry. Robinson. I got no use for the Phoenix Whoa. Suns. Will you now, stay there on? is a name from the past. Let's please stay on topic. Okay. Let's sorry. go. Dan, Paul. Dan Marley. I'm just excited about playing Atlanta tomorrow, Jim. All right. Listen, I... I the things that I want to see here is um, and I won't comment on all of them. I'm just going to tell you what I would I would ask him about Daniel Jones. I would ask him about the current cap situation and how you're going to handle either one go, going into it and number two getting out of it. Okay, some of the process that you have thought about. Um, how is that going to affect the 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 draft this year, the free agency, and moving forward? Um, your staff and the co- the the coach, the head coach and his staff. Who do you feel like uh, you know that you would like to see here, um, and maybe some of the staff that that coach might be able to bring with him. Um, the current roster. What do you think about it? Does it stink? Does it have a pro- does it have a chance? Um, number one, how are you going to address the scouting department that is currently in place, or are you are you going to revamp it or what is some of your opinions on that and the bottom one the last one and it may not be the last question i say i would i want his top three team goals what do you see from this team in year one two and three and i want to know your management goals what do you see as a general manager in the building that you want to put and bring forth uh in the first second and third year of your tenure jeff one thought on what you just said though and and i think this is relevant if if the new coach who comes in, whoever the general manager pushes and favors and then gets hired by the owners, if he really likes Daniel Jones, does it matter if the general manager doesn't? Because if the head coach is the guy who's who's dealing with the quarterback on a regular basis and he's the guy who's got to put him into the game, does well, it necessarily matter if the GM is not a huge Daniel Jones fan, if the coach is? Well, I think it really matters a lot because I think that the general manager will be hired before May. And you know what's comes down in May, okay? So that's the question and more for me is that how are you moving forward with Daniel Jones? What do you see kind of happening in the next, you know, this whole this next year? I mean, if he if the general manager says, "You know what, to be honest with you, I haven't really, you know, haven't been able to 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 go down that road yet, but these are the same that I feel important at the quarterback position and I'm I, I think that it's something the general manager is going to have the final call no matter what the coach says. Right? Uh, yeah. Because, it, cause it, I mean, this is a big deal. 
This is your quarterback. This is the biggest payroll guy on your roster. Well, Jeff, up. I'll say this. I think that decision will be made in conjunction with the GM and head coach together before you get to those decisions. You know what I mean? Right. I do. I do and if but... the and if the head coach says, "Hey, listen, pops, I'm I'm a Daniel Jones guy, and, and that's the guy I want to fly with," pops. right? Then what's what's that what's that GM going to say? Even if he's like waffling, if the head coach says that's the guy I want to fly with, you're going to have to let the head coach have him. Right. Well, again, I think that decision will be made. Well, he can have him. He can have him for a year. He can have him for another well, year. Well, you know, Paul, I think Jeff makes a good point, and I think this is a good dichotomy here. I do think it's the GM, regardless of who the coach is, that makes a decision on the fifth-year option. That's true. That's true, but I suspect what will happen, no matter who it turns out to be, even if the GM comes in and he's not a fan of Daniel Jones, my suspicion is unless the head coach comes in and says, I don't want him either, that Daniel Jones is going to get the 2022 season to right. prove himself either way. My, my, my feel, Jeff, is that you are more referencing the long-term fifth-year option deal, right? A hundred percent. I mean, I, I, okay. it's a given he's going to be back. I mean, what else do they have? You know, so he's coming back for for his. You know, they're not going to cut Daniel Jones. They got him for eight point eight million as a starting quarterback. I mean, that's that's amazing. And so, it was more of a long. Yes, you're exactly right, John. It, I want to know long term after May when they have to decide if they're going to give him his fifth year option. By that time, the coach and the general manager would have multiple discussions along with the position coach, the offensive coordinator, the new guy that's coming in, and they will collectively come up with an idea of what they want to do. All right, so here's how I look at this, guys. You are not going to know, based on these interviews, how good of evaluators these guys are, right? You can go back to where they were, look at what the draft classes were. You don't know which guys these people recommended, which guys they didn't. You know, I don't know if Adrian Wilson wanted them to draft Isaiah Simmons or not. Maybe he didn't want Isaiah Simmons, but somebody else did. You know, we just don't know. And you're not going to be able to figure that out from interviewing how good of an evaluator these guys are and what their results have been. You know, and if you look back at all these teams that that the Giants are, are drafting guys from, you know, there are misses in all these years, right? Like Zach Moss was a third-round pick for the Bills in 2020. That hasn't worked out. You know, you can go down the list. Every team is going to have misses. Uh, go back to the Titans, who have had a had a great process here, and they have a right. They're number one seed in the AFC, right? They used the first round pick in Isaiah Wilson. How'd that work out? Every single team in the league is going to have misses. So, I think trying to evaluate how good of an evaluator these guys are, I think that's pretty hard. So, I think Paul hit it. It's about process, right? Yeah. You want to yeah. pick the guy that has the right process what do you value all right are you a guy that really cares about the athletic numbers you know how much does that impact you how much do you care about senior bowl you know what's your process for determining who you like you know how do you think about drafting for fit and need versus just drafting best overall talent you know how do you balance all those things when you go through the full evaluation process so I think that's important and I think Paul mentioned that great point Jeff, I think you mentioned how are you going to run the organization? You know, because this is more than just an evaluation position, right? This is a run that side of the building position. So how are you yeah. going to run that side of the building? What's your management style? Who are the people you're going to bring in? What's the power structure going to be? How does information flow? How do draft meetings work? You know, mm-hmm. all these things I think are very, very important. So 
I think those two things are key. And then the other part of it I want to talk about too is how you view the game and how you view the front office position, right? You know, and this is overall large-scale strategic vision things. How much do you like trading back to acquire extra picks? I'm a guy that says I want as many darts to throw at the board as possible. Unless you're, you know, targeting a quarterback or like an elite offensive tackle or defensive end, I'm probably going to be good trading back in most of these drafts. I want extra picks. Does my GM share that vision and my idea? That's an overall strategic vision that you could talk to him about. You know, how what positions does he value? Which ones are the most important to him? Is he a guy that values a cover corner? Is he a guy that values a pass rusher more? How does he want to build? Does he want to build a balanced team? Does he want to open things up and throw the ball over the field? You know, that's going to be impacted by who the coaches. And by the way, that's a big part of this too, is the list of coaches the guy gives you. You know, because that's a big part of this. You know, this is a vision. This isn't just how you're going to do your job. This is who am I going to hire to be the head coach, who's the second most important non-player in every organization, if not the most important, depending on how you view the general manager spot. Mm -hmm. So who's on that list? And how do you view building with those guys? And, you know, those are, how, how do you view analytics? How does he want to, you know, include them in the decision-making process. Yeah. These are all important, large-scale, strategic things that I think you can actually learn in an interview talking to these guys when, you know, again, how they have, you know, whether or not they're a good evaluate, it's hard to learn that in an interview, but how they're going to run your organization, what type of coach they want to hire, how they want to build the team, what's their vision for the football team, how does he want this team to look, how does he want them to play, because that's how he's going to eventually draft, right, when he's prioritizing who he picks. How do you use analytics? Do you want to trade down a lot in the draft? You know, those are the type of things, you know, how do you manage the cap? Right? Are you a team that you're comfortable being up against the cap a lot and moving money around and you know working that way? Are you a guy that wants to maintain a lot of flexibility? Are you a guy that is willing to build around maybe a you know top 15 quarterback? Or are you a guy that wants to keep recycling quarterbacks until you find that top 7 quarterback? You know, That's a big question all these teams face. How elite of a quarterback do you want to wait to try to get? So these are all big picture vision things that I would want to find out about before I hired him because these strategic things will impact all the micro things that happen once he has the job. The other thing too I think is really important. I make amazing good stuff there, John. I, th- I think that you know I'm going to also ask him because now that I know how Dave Gettleman failed, in certain areas, um, I'm going to ask him about those areas that the, that if I'm John Mara or Steve Tisch, that I know that these areas didn't work, and how he would improve on those things that 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 Dave did that didn't really work. Right? Was it scouting? Was it cap? Was it well, all these things go into the conversation, in my opinion? And I want to hear his answer, um, and I'm I'm going to be, pay a lot of attention to how he tells me this. You know, is he trying to try to just blow smoke and do whatever, or is it is he very sincere that he has a process? Because there is a lot of other things that are, and this is such a deep dive, right? I mean, but this is why these these meetings last as long as they do, you know. And and I think that the the guys that are kind of come out of it, I mean, I got to look at it as am I gonna I'm gonna the guy I'm gonna pick I'm gonna be very impressed with, but I think that overall I got to be take the big picture with it. I might be very impressed with one part of it and not with another, but I know that maybe because I'm impressed with this, that it will carry over to this other portion of the 
the conversation or some of the things that he didn't bring up that I really particularly liked. But also, John, what you had mentioned about the draft process and how he's going to do that. I think that at this point, in this juncture with, with the ownership, is that I don't really – I don't know if I have much of a say in that if I'm the owner anymore, if I'm asking this guy how he's going to do it, because I'm basically giving him the ability to change the whole organization and do it the way he wants to. Well, I mean, generally, Jeff, when you hire a general manager, that's what happens, right? I mean, right. It, I mean that that's kind of the whole point. So, if, But if he says to you, John, and you're – say that you're John Mayer and I'm and – I'm, Tony Smith, whoever, and I say to you that this is the way I like to run the draft. This is how the scouting department is going to be run, and you don't like that. Well, then, you, then you don't hire that guy. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is <laughs> right. that. Do, do, but what I'm saying is is that I, I think that you, even if you don't like it, or, or don't you still want to know why he wants to run it that way? Well, and that no, maybe I have to change because what I've been doing hasn't worked in ten years. No, Jeff, I think that's a great point. I think this is a great way for ownership to to hear from different people, different methods and ways of doing yeah, things yeah. that you can apply moving forward. I think that's sure. absolutely correct. You I'm know, with fellas, you on that. along that exact same line, and I don't have the injury records of the teams where these people are coming from for their interviews, but I'm going to tell you something right now. I'd like to ask each one of these GM candidates, what is it that you guys did during the offseason that either helped or did not help your injury situation? And I know your first response to me, John's going to be, well, injuries are fluky. Injuries are bad luck sometimes. Well, I, I would, that's I would, very true. Well, I, I would also say that's a big coach strength and conditioning thing as much of it's a GM thing, too. Well, I, I can absolutely understand that. But at the same time, I would still like to pick the GM's brains to know what is it that your strength and conditioning programs did. What kind of equipment did you guys use? What did you find out that was helpful that did seem to keep your team healthier? That's all fair. I would, I would really like to know that stuff. And I don't care if I'm going to hire that guy or not. I want to ask each one of these guys all about their strength and conditioning programs, what they did in the offseason, uh, when they hired their strength and conditioning guy, what style of program were they using in season. I would pick everybody's brain about that because that's one thing that has just absolutely massacred this team. Yeah, and I will say this too. And I think this is something else that you can gleam just through intuition. Look, some people are just good interviewers, and they can pull the wool over your eyes, and then they come, they show up in there, and you realize, oh no, this was not the guy that was in the interview. We're in a lot of trouble here, uh, and, and that's why I think you know just hiring for these positions is so hard because you're going off of an interview, right? And it's hard to get a real feel for a guy over just a few hours. But I also think, and Jeff, you and Paul have gone through this with with talking, just talking to people and hiring people and things like that. I want to hire a good person. You know, I gotta hire someone that I can trust, that I believe is sincere and honest and is going to treat people the right way. You know, even if a guy's the smartest guy in the world, if he's a treats people like trash and is a bad manager, the process isn't gonna work. So I think yeah. that's something else you try to figure out from these interviews is is this guy the type of person that I want running my organization that'll do things the right way and keep everyone on the same page. So I I do think that that's something else you can kind of learn from this process. You know, John, I suspect when John Mara answered the question at the presser about how did you guys put the list together, and he said that over time he's kept his eyes and ears open for different people in different organizations, yep, and that's kind of where yep. they put the, the umbrella to begin with, and then they whittled it down to certain names. I kind of have the feeling this is a very closed fraternity, the National Football League. Remember, nobody on this list – is from the NCAA yep, you're level right about at that. all. Yep. They're all NFL guys. 
I think that John probably already has a really good bead on the reputation of every one of these people before he invited them in. Well, remember, he got, if, if you think about this, um, this I don't think is anything that just came down the pike yesterday. They had a long time to start thinking about this. And, and by the way, I think that in every game you go up against these guys, the, the managers, excuse me, the, the owners are going to the games. They're talking to the other people in the, in the building. They're, they're making calls. They're putting that list together. And I think you're 100% correct, Paul. Is that, that he puts this list because I guess it's just like when you go out and you're recruiting a free agent, right? You need to know you get to interview him, but you also are asking questions about the organizations he's worked for and the people around him and his character and his coaches and things like that. They all do their due diligence. So I, I think this was a very – by the way, you know, a lot of people are giving a lot of kudos to the, to the list alone, the, the names that are on there. Um, and so I think that's a great start. I mean, we don't know much about these guys, but we're going to learn sooner or later who one of them is, and you just hope that the next process is a good one and we're hiring the next coach. Um, I got to believe, though, guys, that I know that John Merritt mentioned that there's no package deals in this kind of stuff, but when you think about these guys and whether it's with the Giants or any of the other teams that hire general managers, people like to hire people that they know. So I, I think yeah. that there's going to be a good, a good, a good chance that, you know, the next coach is going to be somehow, some way co- connected oh. in this web of the NFL that he's, they're going to be connected. Somehow. Bottom line, Jeff, and I, and I said I said this on the show a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. Whoever they and this is why I think the general manager pick is actually the more important one, because whomever they pick as general manager, just look at the places he's been, and you can figure out who the next head coach is going to be, or or at least who the options are going to be for the next head coach. It's no one's going to get a job like this as a GM and they said, you know what I'm going to do as my first big move to hire my head coach? I'm going to hire a stranger. I mean, no one's doing that. <laughs> yeah, I got this coach at Weber State. I think it would be great. He was my yeah, next-door neighbor like 20 years ago. You know, there's one thing to keep in mind, though, John, and I think this is important, too. With a bunch of these guys, you know, they've been around for a while. We're talking about 20 years, 15 years, 20 years, oh, yeah, 20 Paul, years. I'm not saying necessarily right? current team. Correct. But someone that they've been with over the course of their career. Yes. yes. And I agree with that statement. I think it's it's a bit lazy to just automatically say that he's going to pluck somebody from the staff of his current team. I mean, look, as you said before, the general manager, he's going to hire the head coach, but the head coach is going to hire his staff. Yep. The general manager does not necessarily have to like the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator or whoever it is, the quarterback's coach. He doesn't have to like those guys, but they could be winning and they could be doing well, and the head coach may be very happy with that guy. Though I will say this, though, too, Paul. When he when he hires the head coach, the head coach is going to have to sell who he wants as those coordinators to the GM before he hires him. That's going to be part of the interview process, too, right? It, it, I'm sure that that will be discussed. Oh, but, Paul, that's going to be one of the first two questions out of the no guy's No question. Mouth. No question it's going to be discussed. But, see, usually in these scenarios, the way it works is that the head coach says, you know, these are the guys I'd be thinking of. And that's certainly going to be considered whether or not they're going to hire that guy. But at the same time, you don't know if he's going to be able to get him. And you don't know who else, you know, he's going to name a few people. Because he's not going of to course. just say, this is the guy I want for my coordinator, offense, defense. He's going to have to name a few people. Of course. So you may not like all of them. But what's, what eventually happens is the GM hires the head coach. And then the head coach says, well, this is the guy. And the only thing that usually happens in these situations is the GM or the ownership has veto power 
over that assistant coach who he wants. Usually they don't get involved. They'll say, okay, look, I'm sorry, you can't hire this guy, and this is the reason why. And they'll stick their veto power in if there's something that's very objectionable about the assistant coach that is being sought after. They will usually, nine times out of ten, let that head coach have the guy he wants. All right, I want to get to the phone calls here, guys, before we start losing guys on the lines. 201-939-4513. The Giants also just announced they have completed a general manager interview with Titans Vice President of Player Personnel Ryan Cowden. Uh, he's been with them. He's in his 22nd NFL season, six seasons with the Titans after spending 16 years with the Carolina Panthers. Oversees all areas of Titans scouting, college and pro, including advanced scouting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can see uh, the little story and uh, blurb up there on the Giants Twitter page with links to an article on Giants.com. All right, Paulie, you're punching in the calls today. Let's not mess it up. Let's go to line two. We go to Mark in Chicago. He's going to lead us <laughs> off on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Mark, what's going on? Hey guys, uh, belated Happy New Year to you all. You too. Hi. So, um, uh, John and Jeff, I wanted to go back to a point that you guys talked about a few, uh, probably last week. I tried to call in, couldn't get through. You were talking about the Chicago Bears receiver that blew out both knees on one play. Oh yeah, Wendell Davis. Wendell Davis. That's what it was. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he was a really good receiver, and he came back, but you know, really never was the same. You know, nobody would be the same, right? <laughs> I mean, you would, yeah. and they're hard. Nobody's really the same after one. Imagine being having two. Um, it was just yeah. that was just a horrible situation, and you can just imagine. You know how hard it is to rehab one guys. Yeah, imagine just imagine. doing two. I mean, that's double the work. Like, oh, okay, today I got to go in and do my left knee, and then you know tomorrow I'm on my right knee. Or no, you're going to do both of them today. What? You know what, fellas? Just remember, at different times, Omani Tumor had that happen to each of his knees as well. And look at the career he had. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. All right, uh, Mark, what else you got on the Giants? But anyway, uh, Thanks for I that. really wanted to, I just wanted to then get on the couch about the ugly mess that we've had. I've never seen such an impotent offense in my life, and I've been watching football since 1959. Hey, look, Mark, Mark, and, you're uh, right, and, and I'm not sure if you're listening last week, but I said it. That was the last six games was the worst offensive football that I've ever well, a lot of really seen. To be honest <laughs> with you. And, and I've seen some ugly football. I mean, we were season ticket holders for 65 years of my family, and I suffered through 66, 73, and 78, which were some of the worst teams. But at least in 66, we could score 48 points against the Redskins. The problem was we gave up 72. Yeah. But, oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I'm, you know, I live in Chicago. I can't watch too many of the games, so I've subscribed to NFL Game Pass. I sort of look at the season as like being a former season ticket holder, and I really feel bad for the season ticket holders. I'm just doing Game Pass, and I feel like I've wasted my money for the last five years. I mean, I probably watched two or three replays of the games because they're that bad. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that we get this thing turned around because, yeah, I don't want to – I mean, I, I can afford it. I buy it. But, man, I don't even use it. That's how bad it is. And that's the end of my venting. Oh, so, anyway, <laughs> do you want to talk like about to anything go going ahead? Yeah, go ahead, Mark, please. Is the GM candidates. And, you know, uh, I know the you were talking about the fraternity of coaches. And I, I happened to meet George McCaskey uh, one time. I spoke to him for about 15 minutes. And he recalled, you know, going out to lunch with John Marin and everything. So it is a fraternity and it is competitive. But it makes me think, you know, the Maras are in laws. 
I think, in good standing with the Roonies out with the Steelers. Yep. Or maybe they're outlaws. I don't know. <laughs> but the thing is, why aren't we looking at, like, the Steelers organization? Now, you know, the Bears supposedly are going to interview a guy out there, Omar Khan, to lead up their organization. And maybe they have a gentleman's agreement that they don't poach from each other. But to me, when you talk about all the things that you wanted in, as, in a GM candidate, to me, I'm looking for you know stability. And, and the two organizations that I think have the most stability in their front office is the Steelers and the Ravens. I mean, and I would take anybody, almost anybody, assuming they're good, that was trained under Ozzie Newsom. He's been there 30 years, you know, in their front office. So that's sort of how I'm looking at it. And I'd like to hear your opinion. Hi, Mark. Appreciate the call, man. Thank you so much. Um, look, I, I can't speak as to why or why not any specific, specific candidate, candidate might or might not be on that list. Um, I, I can't necessarily speak to that. So... Uh, there we go. We got there. Um, <laughs> um, I again, I I, ju- I just don't know the answer to that. It sounds like there's a line still on the air there in terms of the phone. If you could put them on hold, I'm trying, um, John. I don't know how to work this damn machine. <laughs> it's two buttons. Your your football. Okay, there you go. There we go. Buttons. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, there we go. We got we, we got there. I'm working from home today, folks. Paul's in the studio. That's Look, why. I'm looking for the rotary yeah, dial. Okay. <laughs> It actually is not a very complicated machine. There's like three buttons. It's okay. not that anyway. Okay. Anyway, um, so I can't speak as to why they're not interviewing a specific candidate. I think we'll agree that the Steelers have been a very good organization. We wouldn't argue that. Um, we all agree that the that the Ravens are an excellent organization. And one of the um, report reports that the Giants did request an interview with Joe Horitz, who's uh, Joe Ortiz, actually. I'm sorry, Joe Ortiz. Yes. Who's with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, we don't know when. Or, years, too, John. Yeah, we don't know when or if that's going to be scheduled. And look, we've lavished praise in our draft process, um, you know, draft shows about how the Ravens are drafted over the years. So I think we're all very impressed with how that organization, organization works. And I think the Steelers have been very successful, too. So I think those mm-hmm. are two good organizations. But, you know, we just don't know why they, you know, why someone from Pittsburgh necessarily would or would not be on the list. I mean, obviously, that's a very close connection there. So it could be. Yeah, it's blood. You know, hey, it's blood. You know, yeah. So I think that that has something to do with it. Also, I think that, you know, maybe they these I think that these there's phone calls made around. Hey, is there we'd like to do this. Well, you know what? Uh, nobody really wants to leave here this year. Okay, goodbye. You know, that's it. So I think a lot of times people are just flat out telling them, you know, we're not interested. Not I know that it's available, but we're we're doing okay where we're at here. And, you know, you just move on from there. So coincidentally, it's just nobody came from there. But yeah, it's blood. Those those this organization's big big time ties there and you know, so maybe they don't want to poach one of those guys over there. And and Paul, I'm sure you like this. I feel like Paul and you can tell me if, if I'm if I'm wrong. The Ravens play like you would want the Giants to play. Well, except for having the running quarterback, yes. Well, correct. I, I don't want a quarterback running for a thousand yards. That's just not my game plan. But I agree with you in terms of their philosophy. They they build it strong in the trenches. They apply a lot of pressure on defense, and they like to be able to pound the ball. So well, look yes, at, look at I mean, and and look who's your head coach? Okay, he was in. A, I think that that's kind of the way that the the mat, the ownership went two years ago. Hey, let's. This is a special teams coach. We're hiring. Look at John Harbaugh. They almost envisioned Joe Judge as a John Harbaugh type of coach, right? And I think yeah. exactly. I feel like I that's mm-hmm. kind of where they wanted to go, and mm-hmm. it's just unfortunately it didn't work. But you know, John Harbaugh is a heck of a football coach now, and um, and that organization 
is is run pretty darn good. And I think that's something you want to look at as far as structure. That would be a good place to start. That's I think sure. a lot of people also would say the Tennessee Titans of today are that kind of rough and tough and rumble type of, of NFC team. Right? That's the way the Titans are now. Yeah, they I mean, they weren't coach. necessarily that way years ago, but they are now. And, you know, again, the reported names, there are two guys from the Titans supposedly coming in to talk. So, and, and and one was talked to today. Yeah. So, I mean, that should not surprise anybody. Right. No, exactly. And look, I think the Titans have been very successful and, and they, they've and, you know, it's it's all different. And, and that's the thing, you know, there are different ways to do this and teams do it different ways, which is interesting. All right. Let's go to Sean in Maryland. He's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Sean, what's going on? Uh, John, all of our people on hold have since dropped. So the phones are now blinking all of them. So I don't okay. have names. So here's what we're going to do, Paul. When I'm when I, when I say go, you're going to just click on the top line and. Actually, why don't you put uh, – you don't know how to put people on hold, do you? All right, so here's what we're going to do. Hopefully Pierce is back in a minute. One of three buttons. I am going to tell you, Paul, to pick <laughs> Line any, one and line three are open. How pick, about that? To pick any one of those lines that you want that are blinking. Yep. Click it in. Done. And <laughs> gone. There we go. All right, please lose that. All right, let's try That's the other one now, tone. please. Let me try the other one. All right, caller, if you just heard a click and you're hearing my voice, that means you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? It's Stas from Washington. Stas, what's up, buddy? How about that? Good hey. job, Datino. Well done, buddy. <laughs> we, got, we got somebody on. Just don't hang up on him now. <laughs> I, I, I thought I thought you guys thought you know you confused my number for Charlie's or something. I called you, hung up on me, then you didn't. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> Paul DeTito, that. that's what's going on. No, no. When Charlie calls, all the lights in the room blink on and off so that we're warned. <laughs> and we all look at the, we all look uh, at the clock and hope it's one. Do you remember that? It was, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going back to like 2012. There was like this lady who used to call from Washington D.C. Oh gosh, like she's Anne. the only person I think you banned. Anne, right? Yes. Wasn't it Anne? Oh yeah. That lady was nuts. She was, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, she started throwing like I think she used like a slur at some point on the air, didn't she? Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah, was yeah. That she was, was bad. bad. Yeah. yeah, Charlie is comical nuts. You know, little deranged nuts. This lady was deranged. <laughs> you called Charlie deranged, but he's harmless. Yeah. <laughs> nah, we love Charlie. He's good. We love Charlie. He's harmless. That's right. Oh uh, my. So yeah. So I mean, then one has a Super Bowl hangover since 2011, right? Um, it's Jesus. I, I I just feel like we're in this wash cycle. I mean, I, I'm kind of glad you know we're doing it right, where we're letting go of a GM and head coach at the same time. Um, but it kind of also feels like more of the same, like, okay, here we are out on the hunt again, trying to figure out what we're doing. Um, what I do like is the net, you know, I do like the wide net that they're going for. Um, I do like that, um, you know, there's nine interviews, you know, as opposed to, you know, maybe, maybe the, maybe the Giants organization, and I'm speculating, of course, kind of had their minds made up more or less where they wanted to go. And, you know, um. But uh, this is what I hope for, okay? I hope that whatever we do, we start putting our players in the right positions to win. You know, the, the one thing that I feel like has been horribly wrong with the organization uh, over the last few years is I always feel like people are playing out of place. Like, you know, I, I've always, you know, like, you know, you know like we're probably going to lose Evan Ingram, and I feel like, like if he ends up like with like a 
like on the Saints or something. Like I feel like he's going to be like a perennial All Pro, like because they're just going to use his talents the right way. And I just that's all I really want to see going forward is, you know, we need to get some good protection in for our quarterback. And I, I really just want to see our players used in a way that maximizes their skill set so that we, we start, you know, having something to build on as opposed to, you know, every year it feels like we're, we're still unsure of what the identity of the team is or isn't. Well, Stas, look, I, 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 yeah, go ahead, please. Yep, you know, I trust, I hear you. And I think for me, it all starts with the offensive line because I think – that's what, in a lot of ways, has prevented us from doing those types of things. Like, do we know enough about, as much about Evan Ingram as he could if the line was better? Do we know as much as we could possibly right. could about Saquon Barkley if the line was better? Right. Of course, the answer to that is obvious with Daniel Jones. So, until that gets fixed, a just average offensive line play gives you a baseline of play that you can expect. And, you know, again, we said this in, in, in the offseason a million times. You don't need to have a top five offensive line. You don't even a top ten offensive line. But you probably do need a top twenty or twenty two offensive line. You don't want to be in that bottom quarter of the league where it's very difficult. And if you get into the bottom five or six of the league, it's almost like you can't function. Your line mm-hmm. play is so poor, and you just can't score points. So I think, and I've said this before, I'm willing to sacrifice other areas of the team at this point. And just say, to hell with it, I'm getting that right. And then if I have to make up the rest of the stuff later, that's fine. But this thing has to get fixed. It has to get fixed. What was the first thing that Dave Gettleman said at his opening press conference? Guys, it's obvious. we got to fix the offensive line. And we ain't there. We haven't been there since, like, 2013. And it's not they haven't tried. Everyone's tried. It just hasn't worked. So nothing else is going to matter. Really, right. until you get and, and that that's fixed. Why I keep people like, I, I, I will be a happy guy if our first five picks are in, are in the trenches between edge and offensive linemen. I would be completely okay with that. And that the one person that I am most concerned about because I really feel that he's never been in position to to, to really succeed is Daniel Jones because I'm still one of the people that are that I am a believer in him because I look at the plays that he does have three seconds to throw the ball. I look at those plays, and on those plays, he plays at a very high level, and he has a beautiful deep ball, and he's extremely accurate, and a lot of that is overshadowed by the bad plays. But when I look at the bad plays, I look at at things in the law of average, right? If, If your quarterback is constantly pressured, well, he has a higher propensity of making of making mistakes under those pressures because he's experiencing them more often. Sure. As opposed to a quarterback who's who's not experiencing them as. And I'm not saying a quarterback. I mean, you should have a good. Uh, you should be able to operate under the blitz, right? You should. But if that's happening to you all the time, it, it's eventually it's going to eat away at you. It's going to eat away at your mechanics. It's going to absolutely. Gonna, you know, you're going to. It's going to speed your clock up. So of all people, I just want to see have at least one year to really even look, I'll be okay if they don't pick up his option. Don't pick up his option. Build around him this one year. Build, I mean, not around him, but just build an offensive line for the organization. See what he does. And if that doesn't work in 2023, if you feel you need to go get your guy, you go get your guy. But I think going to get a quarterback now. At first of all, I don't think this draft class is good for quarterback at all. 
And I think a lot of people are having, like, the beer goggles effect where there's a bunch of sixes at the club, but you've been drinking a little while, and they're the only ones there. <laughs> and, and, and that's what I feel is the effect of happening right now with the quarterbacks, where, like, I say, I, I you know, like, I just don't see anybody coming out who I'm just like, wow, that guy's going to be a difference maker. I see some good play under poor, you know, under optimum conditions, I guess. But anyway, I'll let you guys go. Thanks for the content. I think, I mean, this season was rough for everybody, and you guys kept us through it. So appreciate y'all. And, um, you know, let's, I hope we have a GM by middle of the week. I don't <laughs> want to wait too long on, on getting the coaches going. Thank you, Stas. Appreciate the call, man. Good stuff. Good Always weekend. good to hear from you. And look, guys, <laughs> the offensive line affects everything. It, it really does. And that's kind of what has to happen here. And then you kind of figure it out from there. That's where I'm at, at least. Mm-hmm. I think you and everybody else is at that juncture. I mean, you got to start up front no matter. I don't care what team you're on. Uh, it all starts up front. And by the you way, do. Jeff, this might take more than a year because right now you might have to fill four holes, and it's damn near impossible to fill four yeah. holes in a big time way in one off season. Very difficult. But you have I, to make bigger. You have to make steady improvement. You do, and I think and they will. I, 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 they have to. They have to make steady, steady improvement, and I think that's where you, where you start. And by the way, you know when you look in the GM search, and we talked about the cap situation, you know. There's forecasting that goes into this. And so when you look at where your roster is in 22 and where it's going to be in 23, how much money you're going to have, how you can move things around, you know, when you get to 23, you're, you may be in a better position than you think you are. The cap may go up more than you think it is, and you've positioned yourself where you can also now in year two of this new regime work the draft again. And by that time in 2023, maybe – you have four-fifths of that offensive line that you feel very, very confident that's going to compete in 23. You know, maybe 22, you've got two-fifths or maybe three-fifths of it. But well, I think you got to have at least three. You got to have three. I, I, I agree three. with you. Yes. Otherwise, you're not going to be competitive. I right. agree. Right. I agree with that. You yep. need to add two major pieces this offseason, at least. That's right. And be I, great I'm, if they could have three, but I agree. It's got to be a minimum of two. Yes. Yeah, look, because look, if you have three really good linemen, you can make up for the other two if they're not great, right? You can figure it out. It's not ideal, but you can figure it out. But, you know, if you start getting unbalanced or you got three guys you can't trust and two guys you can, it's still going to be problematic. You know what it comes down to, John? Parcells used to call them the hold the fort guys. Yeah, exactly, right. Okay? Mm -hmm. These were guys who you could function with. I like to use the term, are they functional? Yes. Great, 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 great. But Parcells used to call them the hold the fort guys. And that's the key because it's not necessarily about how high is the ceiling, it's how high is the floor. That's the key. Well, and the Giants have tried to bring in guys like that, too, and even they haven't worked out, right? Like and Patrick Omane really was supposed to be yes. one of those guys. That's really the problem, work. John. Over the course of the last several years, the Giants have tried to to get some guys who were at least hold the fort guys, and they have failed miserably. And that's what happens when you wind up sinking into the soup. Yeah, so if you have trouble with that and you have trouble in the draft, then do you know what the result is? Where we are. <laughs> yeah. And by 100%. the way, I, I don't want to depress Giant fans, but this is a way for me to cross-promote, so I will. Uh, posted this morning on the John Suttle Podcast. This is our first big draft primer of the year. Uh, Tony Pauline and Eric Crocker joined me, and we kind of just do an overview of, of the 2020 cla- 2022 class. Jeez. Um, so make sure you guys go check that out. Uh, not sure the Giant fans will love some of the stuff that comes out of our guys' mouths because – 
not really in, in the top 10 at least, a very deep class. You know, t- both guys basically said you have your top two and then the rest, it's going to be different from team to team. There's probably only one top 10 offensive lineman in the draft, in their opinion, like with a true top 10 grade. So I think it's going to really vary from team to team here how they value some of these prospects. Is Pearson back yet, Paul? He just got back. Oh, I yeah, see. And he's, and he's, going putting, in. he's putting people on hold right now. Pearson, you have no idea to the level of which you're saving us from Paul Dettino's inability to work that phone. <laughs> just I'm absolutely here. destroying so the program okay. you're electronically. All right, Pearson, let's do it. <laughs> let's go to um, Coach Marvin in Delaware. We haven't heard from Coach in a while. Coach, what's going on? Hey, Coach Marvin, how are how you? you? Hey, how you doing, Jeff? Paul, Good. my man, Paul. What's up, Paul, Marvin? Don't let Paul do the phones anymore. It took me a long time to get through. It's very dangerous when I'm at the controls, that's for sure. <laughs> um, what I wanted to talk about, because I haven't talked in a while, um, you know, I just, I'm not going to go too far back in the, what we went through, but uh, I did, from a coach's standpoint, I didn't want to talk about who get fired and who shouldn't get fired. But, um, you know, the last two weeks, I think I could say is, uh, what are we doing? I, I just have no idea what was going on. Um, but um, I, I'm glad they uh, cleaned house. Um, hopefully they're going to clean it all the way in a point where you can clean your house, but uh, if you don't take out the trash, uh, guess what? That trash is still going to be stinking. So hopefully they get rid of everything that's not um, uh, worth keeping they get rid of. Um, and just start from a clean slate. I mean, you can't get rid of everybody. They are some good players on this team that you can keep, and um, there are some changes that needs to be made. Um, with the GM, uh, uh, you know, my opinion with the GM, I think we have to get this right. And and I was thinking the other day, so don't crush me on this. This is just my opinion. Um, I think we need to talk to somebody. Uh, I had this thought a couple uh, when they first they first fired the um, not fired them, but uh, the GM retired. And the first thing I started thinking of was someone like Ozzy Newsom getting in contact with him. And I saw Marcus Spears spoke about that yesterday on ESPN, and that was a thought I had before he even spoke about it. But I got a little further than that. Um, my thought was. You try to talk to GMs that are, have been through some stuff with some franchises that have problems. The first one I thought of was uh, Jerry West. I would talk to Jerry West. I don't even know if I can get these guys to come in and help with the interview or just pick their brains. Uh, Bill Polian, I like. Um, well, now, look, they have gone down this road before, Coach. You know, they brought Ernie Corsi to help with the last GM search, so that might be right. one of the reasons why they're not kind of going down that consultant road again. Right. But this, this wasn't with uh, just one particular person. This was picking brains of guys. Oh, that I got gotcha. you. That makes sense. Theo uh, Epstein was one that I thought of. Uh, this guy was unbelievable. I mean, what he did with the Red Sox, and then to go to Chicago and do the same thing, and it's, it's the way they approach um, their game plan as far as building the franchise. They, these guys are very aggressive at what they do. They're not afraid of uh, taking chances and, and going out and uh, making deals that people may think is impossible, and these guys make it possible. 
and and that's the kind of guy you have to have there, someone that's creative. Um, and the same thing with the coaching staff. You've got to be somebody on the same page with them and, and creative with what they do. If you look at the San Francisco um, 49ers, the way their office is set up, now you can't duplicate those things, and I understand that. So because it's happening in one place, it can happen in yours. But that doesn't mean you can't game plan in something similar to that. And um, I would hope that they would look and talk to those people, not just one, and I know they've done it before, but it was just one. Of course, they was the only one they talked to. I'm saying picking the brains of these guys of how they were thinking when they took over as GMs. And because uh, these are very good GMs that uh, were very, uh, that are Hall of Fame GMs, actually. And um, I think it'll be best if we look in their directions and see how they look at building a franchise and what they think about franchise. Um, because resources are important. I mean, me working for the government, when I had issues or had something I wasn't sure about, I reached out to my resources. And um, they gave me their opinion. They didn't tell me what to do. They just gave me an opinion. And I can build off of those opinions. When I was coaching, it could be the same thing. Somebody can be talking to me about something. I may not agree with it, but it doesn't mean I wouldn't listen to what they said. And maybe I can think of something similar to what they're trying to say. So you've you got to use all the resources you can get to, uh, to uh, pick this GM and the correct one. Because we can't keep going down this road. Especially we've fallen into a category with the Detroit Lions and the Jets, and you're putting us in those categories, and then you're looking at everyone. Um, actually, they were laughing at our um, franchise, which, I mean, that's okay, but it, it can be a little embarrassing. When, if, if somebody's laughing at me, that, that's not, I'm not uh, – you want to make a change. You want to you want to change it, right? Yeah. 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 Now we hear I you, Coach. See it in Mr. Power's face that he, he's broken. He's a broken man right now, as far as his franchise goes. And I, I really felt bad for him, and I feel bad for the. Uh, I feel bad for everybody. I know you guys do your work there. You work for them, and y'all do your best, and you 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 do a great job with it, and you do it with what is with pride. And in and, and the, the last few weeks, I, I feel we, that pride has, has cracked a little bit. And we need to make sure we build this thing back up and build it up strong like we always have been. Um, but that was the only spill I had. I don't want to take up a lot of y'all time today, but uh, it, it, it really had me saying, what are we doing? All right, Coach. And, uh, I, I just did. Yeah. Thank you for the call, my friend. All right, guys. Thanks, Marvin. Yeah, have a good week. You too. you too. Have a great weekend. You guys got anything on that, or you want to jump to the next caller? I, I, we can go to the next caller. I mean, I made some good points, and I think you always want to reach out and try to get as many, as many questions answered as you can from people that have knowledge of situations Then, because, you know, um, knowledge is king, right? I mean, reach out to some of those people that have been in those types of situations so you don't make a mistake. And there might be something simple that they bring up that you just didn't think about that could be – uh, you know, did you apply to the next hire? And, and and next thing you know, that could be something so valuable that you never thought about it, and it just proved to be amazing for your organization. So, great points. Good to hear from him. All Thanks, right, let's, Coach. Let's go to Scott in New Mexico. He's up next, and we will take a couple more calls after that as well. Scott, what's going on? Hi, guys. Hello. Uh, question uh, 
Well, I've on multiple occasions said I don't really care who the general manager and the coach are. But if anyone thinks that John Mayer is not going to have an input where he's going to be totally autonomous and allow these guys just to do that is crazy because he pays the bills. So he's definitely going to have an input no matter what he says on television. At least that's my personal Well, opinion. no, well, Scott, look, ownership always has input, but I guarantee right, it. But, but what, what he said on Wednesday is absolutely correct, and it's always been correct. If the coach and the general manager want a player – he will say yes, unless, of course, like you mentioned yesterday, there was something going on off the field where it could embarrass the organization or something like that, and you know, then he'll step in. But I know people don't want to believe this. He really does let the GM and coach do what they want, even if he disagrees with them. He will let them do it because he empowers these guys to do their jobs. That's how the organization operates. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I just feel like, as I said, as a former owner of a company, that's the way I look at things. And I, even though I may relinquish control to a sales manager, I'm definitely going to have an input. Well, of on course, how of course. Focus. And that's why, uh, you know, the general manager and the coach argument is going to go on. My main question, and I'll take the answers off the air, uh, is twofold. One, I know Dallas in their rebuilding process drafted a number of offensive linemen usually for, i think a year to year i think zach martin and travis frederick and i think there was a couple tyron of smith well. Lel collins yep mm -hmm. and i know you were high on rashawn slater and obviously i don't know if there's anybody in the draft it's too early to really start doing that but do you envision the possibility that the giants with the fifth and the seventh round pick since the big weaknesses you've addressed is the offensive line would take two offensive linemen, even though I know they need a disruptive pass rusher, because that is the main focus right now. And also, my, my second part to that question is, the evaluation process for all the talent on the Giants has to be done rather quickly, because the, the general manager, once they're hired, if they're going to turn this around, they have to operate very quickly, which means they have to go through loads of videotape and whatever and, and determine who's going to be on the team. So how fast can that process start? Good question. How quickly can they do evaluations? And then secondarily, as I said, do you envision in the draft taking on the fifth and seventh round pick two offensive linemen? And I'll take your answers off the air. Thank you, Scott. All right, I'll, I'll take both those very quickly. They'll get your guys' take on it too. Uh, first of all, fifth and seventh overall pick, not fifth and seventh rounders. Um, no, I don't think you'll have two offensive linemen with those two, only because the Giants don't need two offensive tackles, right? They have one, right? And I just, I just don't see a guard or center in this class, and I know Tyrell Linderbaum is somebody that's been in that mix for some people in the top ten. I just don't see a guard or center going seventh overall. I, I just find it hard to believe. There is no Quentin Nelson in this draft. So I would say no. And the second part of that. But I'd be shocked if one of those two wasn't an offensive lineman. Again, maybe they'll trade down with the other one. Who knows? Uh, the other part of your question is that usually if a GM is brought in at this point, a lot of the scouting infrastructure will stay in place up through the draft because so much work has already been done on these guys. So it's really impossible to start over from scratch now. So I think a large part of that scouting infrastructure will be in place. The GM will work with the people in place. And then if he wants to make additional moves after the draft, then you'll see moves made in the, in the spring or summer if he wants to you know, reorganize some of the college scouting staff. Guys? Yeah, Scott, you have to remember, too, that all of the coaches, once the season was over, 
had to do their own positional evaluations Correct. on all yep. the players. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the new GM comes in here and he's got nothing to work with. He will have the outgoing, we assume outgoing staff, you never know how many of those guys might just be able to stick around, but he will have some materials to go off of. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. That's what the coaches are being asked to do at the end of the season is do the evaluations of their own players at those positions, and then usually they hand them to the head coach. Well, the head coach isn't there, so it's going to go to somebody. Going to go to the, you know, they're going to have it. Those coaches are under contract. They're in the building working. So that's the projects that they're working on right now. And, and, and usually how that works is after that's done, then they start, then they start moving on to free agencies and, uh, and then starting to, to do their reports for that kind of stuff and then draft reports. So uh, absolutely true. And they'll, they'll have all their evaluations ready. They're done. You know what's interesting about this, John? Of the nine reported names from the different organizations that the GM candidates are coming from, None of those teams played the Giants this season. How about that? None of them. Because I was also going to say. That's interesting. That's You're right. that, yeah. No, that, that's not true. Not true. Not liar. true. Liar. Detino. Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, yes. <laughs> one. You're correct. There is one. One out of nice. the reported well. nine names. Okay. So, but what I was going to say is. Uh, there would certainly be a possibility that if you're coming from an organization that did play the Giants this year, well, while, the, while this guy is still there at that place, I'm sure he would be able to look at some of the scouting reports that they were able to obtain yeah. when they were playing the Giants this year. And Kansas City is the only one, you are absolutely right, Kansas City, Ryan Poles, is the only one on the list that would have played the Giants this year. Yeah, you're right. 100%. 201-939-4513. We'll take two more calls. Marco in Connecticut is up next. Hey, Marco, long time no speak, pal. Hey, guys, thanks for the call. I, I, you know, I've been listening every day, obviously, and uh, good to jump on with you. Thank you. Um, a couple, couple things, man. Uh, I'll start with the, the press conference the other day with uh, Mr. Marin and uh, something about the interdivision teams. But, you know, what? one thing that I was hoping to get from that, and I, and I didn't, um, and I know it's a tough spot, really, and I, I really appreciate that he comes out he'll talk and i know with zoom it does take away a little bit more but there's you know and you guys know this because you're you're on twitter you talk to the fans every day with the show the optics around the team have not been good you know and and that's i think was the big thing you said jeff the other day about judges press conference just the optics were not good like even if you even if he made sense on his point it's like he had no understanding of what was going on around him for him to do that. And, and with Mara's press conference the other day, I, I actually thought it would have been better for him to come out and just say, hey, guys, media, I'm, I'm going to give you guys as much time as you need. Ask me follow-up questions, whatever you want, because we have to clear this up. We have to. And unfortunately, you know, he's got a press conference, and like so many other things that have happened this year, you know, people are still running with question marks. And uh, and that was just me because I'm listening. And I, and I, and what I, questions I do you still have, Marco? Well, J- John, I, I think I think there would have been several follow-ups about Gettleman and the way the roster was built and the last GM search. I think people okay. want to dig in a little no, bit. No, that's fair. That's you know? fair. And, okay. uh, and you and, and what happens too is you hear the writers saying, "Well, we're not allowed to for follow-up questions," and you know, but that, that's just it. It's just, again, it's optics. 
it's optics. It's like let's let's just give them what they want. That so let's just give it what they want so we can clear the area. Second you know, you know, is, Marco. There's one thing you're missing about this, and that is they were trying to get interviews done the day that John had his presser. He actually squeezed in that Zoom press, presser between two video conference interviews with prospective GMs. So how much time did you want him to take away from those interviews to talk to people on, you know, writers on Zoom? Paul, that's, I, I, I'm not going to determine the time, but I know, I know the writers. I've, I've listened, I've read them. I listen My to sympathies to you, by the way, on that. No, no, no. But, but seriously, a lot of them, even on their podcast, they would walk away and say, hey, that's off to, to John Mara for giving us as much time. That was not an easy press conference. He got beat up in that part. They would say things like that. I, I feel that way. And, and you know, there's always ones that win it. But that's not – hey, I, I had another point, and then I'll jump on. Sure. There's that. And then I'm hoping – I'm really hoping they're paying close attention to what Dallas has been doing the last four or five years, what Philadelphia has been doing. We, you know, that was a big mistake, I think, I, I'll take on my part. When I was looking at the divisional teams, totally thought that Philly was going to have – a down year. I saw it with the new coach. I saw it with the quarterback. But you know what? At the end of the day, they came back and said, our offensive line, our defensive line, is just too good for us to go in the tank here. And now they go into the offseason, although they play playoffs, and they look tremendous going into next season. And that's something I'm going to keep in mind. And Dallas has drafted so well, so well. They are not just a finesse team with all these wide receivers. They are a tough team that could beat you up defensively and on the offensive line, and they've been doing it for years. We, we have to pay close attention to what they're doing and how they're building their team. And I, and I think that's just show respect to the teams in our division because they deserve it. Thanks, guys. No, You're welcome. Appreciate the call, Marco. Good points. Hey, look, and I think what we all missed on Philadelphia, and I missed on them too, I just didn't see the best running game in the NFL coming. You know, I think everything else with the way their team went down, I, I thought I think I kind of had a pretty good feel for it. I really did. And I think I, I hit on a lot of that stuff. I just did not foresee them having the best rushing attack in football. Well, John, and that's what happened. did. They were 2-5 and five out of the gate, and then all of a sudden they decided the following week when they exploded for over 200 rushing yards against uh, the Lions, they just changed and revamped everything. They got, no, they got right. some of their linemen back, and they said, you know what, now that these guys are back on that offensive line, we're going to ride those suckers. And credit to them for doing that, but this team out of the box was two and five. Right, I mean, and they were going nowhere. And I will say this too again: this is nothing to take anything away from Philly. Great job, nine and eight in the postseason. Here are the teams that their wins have come against this year: Falcons, Panthers, Lions, Broncos, Saints, Jets, Washington, New York, Washington. And that's your list. So, not one playoff team in that group that they beat this year. Hmm. Yeah, they got it done on the road, on the ground, though. No, look, <laughs> they, they ran, they ran the hell out of the ball. And you're right; they have one of the best offensive lines. That's remember last year that offensive line wasn't healthy. No, which is one no. of the reasons why they were so bad. And yeah. the offensive line got healthy. They ran the ball really well this year, and that's why they've gotten to where they've gone. Give them all the credit, man. All the credit in the world to them. Great job. And you know what? Great job by Sirianni, right? Because he tried something to start the year. He saw it wasn't working, and they adjusted. And they completely changed the way they wanted to play, and they became a good team. Tip your cap to them for that. 
Yeah, remember they tried to change their whole philosophy against the Giants in the first half. <laughs> just and then they back. said, oops, that's not going to work. <laughs> Let's just go and run in the second half, and they run for 200 yards. So, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, and again, you, you guys know me. I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of running the football for some reason. But I just feel like it's the, it's the bread and butter of the of football. And, you know, that watching the way they do it, you know, through those running backs and even uh, Jalen Hurts. I mean, he's a guy that can run. He's a quarterback that can run. He's a better runner than he is a passer. But, it, you know, it, look what it sets up. It sets up, the, you know, their, their red zone touchdowns. Hey, look, and Jalen Hurts ended up being a great quarterback for them this year based on how yeah. they were going to play. It really did. Just watch this weekend. Watch the games this weekend and how these offenses get in the red zone and they just somehow magically score points at will. They're, some of the play designs and how they run the football down there and how they do things, it's just you sit there and look at it, it's like clockwork. And then when the Giants get down there in the red zone and they do things like that, it's like, oh, my God. You know, you realize that that's a, that's a round, that's a square peg right there that won't fit in that round hole. Let's not do that, okay? But we still they still try to, and look what happened. You know, you have – I'm still – are you guys amazed at this, that – Kenny Galladay did not score a touchdown this year. <laughs> I mean, just think about that, guys. That's just incredible. That's uh, it's unbelievable, you know? So, hey, listen, he'll be a target next year, that's for sure. we got to get him active. All right, let's go to our final call of the show of the week. I guess it's fitting. It's Charlie in Portland, <laughs> Maine. Hi, Charlie. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, uh, Last hey but another is... man's ceiling is another man's floor, and that's Paul Simon. Uh, you guys are talking about ceiling, and you know, no, so you know. Well, he and Lance are certainly short enough. <laughs> but you don't know if the guy's got a ceiling or actually he's got a floor. It's going to depend on the person looking at it. But anyway, and also you guys are saying the O line definitely O line got to be fixed. I've been screaming that for the last seven years, whatever how long and I've been so on. So have here. we, Charlie. So have we. Uh, I know. In my and, case, over ten years. Yeah, oh, there you go. So, but the only thing is, I'll say one caveat: if you have an elite quarterback like Justin Herbert, your old line can be trash like ours was. In Not, first year. I don't know if it could be. Uh, it, 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 I don't know if it could be trash, Charlie. But it certainly well, they doesn't. Were thirty. They were number thirtieth, and we were number thirty-first in his rookie year. So well, yeah, but I'm, and and what and saying. and what was the Chargers' record last year? I don't know, but he passed Not for good. over 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. So I've been, look, the Chargers need a defense. When they get a defense, they're going to be in the Super Bowl. Hey, look, Charlie, you're right. An elite quarterback can help limit the impact of a not good offensive line. That you're right about. No argument. Fine. Agreed. Hey, and Jeff. Uh, you know, you're, you're a star, you're a Jeopardy star, you know, that's going to lead you to the hall of fame. That's going to give you some puff. But the only Thank thing, you. everybody, everybody answered that you were a holder, not even. Oh, a come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hey, I got to tell you real quick that, that was, uh, and, and by the way, this is the second time I've been on Jeopardy. And, and by the so, way, for yeah, the I people know. that don't know, go to my Twitter feed. Jeff Fegels <laughs> was a clue the other night on Jeopardy. And the question was, uh, what basically what position did he play? Right, right. The other the last time I don't know what the question was, but it was only a two hundred dollar question. And the other <laughs> night it was eight hundred. So I am moving. I'm trending. I'm trending to the daily double sooner or later. <laughs> but, but I was funny. I was sitting in the kitchen and my phone was on the uh, counter, 
and it was just abs- it was blowing up. And, and my wife was like, what, what is going on? Is everything okay? I'm like, I don't know. Let me look. And I, all of a sudden, people were just like, and I, I was telling John this the other day, I didn't realize how many people actually watched Jeopardy that much, and it was incredible. Yeah, I happened to watch it that Unbelievable. So, so let me ask thank you. you. So, so, Jeff, let me ask you. Um, <laughs> you want, is this a form of a question? Who, or no. is it, are we doing a Jeopardy question? Who was the most random person that texted you that you're like, I can't believe you like you still had my number and I haven't heard from you in forever. Was there someone in that in that group yes. that was just really in weird? In fact, it was one of my high school friends that I haven't heard from. I don't even know. I, I mean, I I kind of I kind of touch base with them on Facebook, kind of what these older people do these days. I guess is the only thing we really know how to use. <laughs> but but I think that I, you know that's the one that actually he had my phone number, but he texted me. Um, you know, and, and it's funny because I got all versions of it. I got screenshots. I got I got recordings. I got you name it. <laughs> You know, so it was kind of fun, but yeah, it was it was it was kind of cool to bring things a lot of people back and 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 contact Now the so better John, the amazing part is that he actually remembered that he went I to did. high school with the guy. That's, true. I That's the amazing him. part. Yeah. Now I the better the question, Charlie, Charlie, you were watching it live. Did did anybody get it right? Yeah, one person got it right. Did anyone everybody get it wrong? Said, everybody else said he was a whole. Oh, did they really? <laughs> no, yeah. that's incorrect. That is incorrect. Yeah, I was I told know. the first person got it right. You know. Yeah, exactly. I tried to text you, but I couldn't get through your number. <laughs> no, what John had said to me today when I talked to him earlier that somebody he thought said that the, I was a uh, long snapper, which, you know, by the yeah, way, well, all three that, of those oh, positions. I, I, I tweeted that out. Oh, <laughs> see, that's I'm getting bad information from Charlie. That's what I get for trusting a Charlie tweet. <laughs> so that's Jeez, the source. Oh, good man. <laughs> hey, I just got one more thing. I just want to say, like, so head coaching-wise, we, we hired two offensive coordinators, right? We hired a special teams coach. But when we hired Tom Coughlin, he was a head coach, a veteran head coach, and a winning head coach. He brought Jacksonville into a, to a, the, you know, the finals, uh, not the Super Bowl, but the championship game. And we hired him, and guess what happened? We won two Super Bowls. So what I'm trying to say is, and I said it before, we need to get a veteran head coach. Why don't we go back to basics instead of trying to get these, you know, offensive coordinators who have never been head coaches. We don't know what they're going to do. They're probably great offensive coordinators, but who knows if they can be a head coach. So why don't we go back to actually getting a head coach who's been a head coach, who's been a winning head coach, and maybe that's the simple formula to get this to Charlie, before you go, before you go, honestly, if you were to compile a list of free agent head coaches who are on the street and have been to a Super Bowl and are still active and want to do this because Bill Cower is long retired and, and doing network television, okay, the list is like not only not long, it like doesn't exist. It's going to be very, very hard to get one of those types of guys to fit those qualifications. I mean, there are some coordinators and a couple yeah. guys without jobs. Well, head that, coach. Head, head coach, for he head said. coach, yes. Bill well, he said head coach. No, but former. It doesn't mean there would be head coach now, but a former head coach. Yeah, f- former head coach. I mean, a guy like Marvin Lewis went to the playoffs five times in a row, and he lost in the first round every time. You could probably pry him away from the college ranks. Well, I got one for but you. But he doesn't qualify. I got one for you. How about Dan Quinn? Yeah, he's he's going to be a combined. Remember, there's seven head coaching yeah. jobs out and there. I don't, like, and I, I don't only bring him up because he's interviewed with other teams. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. A guy who did go to the Super Bowl and had an embarrassing collapse. But, yeah, it, but that's the point. Besides him, all right, make a list. It's it's very, very small pickings to fit those qualifications. Thank you, Charlie. Okay, Have a good weekend, Charlie. Appreciate Thank you. Again. Well, let me ask you that. Well, I want to ask this to, before we say goodbye to, to both Paul and Jeff. 
How important is it to you guys that one of the two, whether GM or coach, has some experience in that job at some point in their career? Well, the GM interviews that have been reported have none. Right. I know. Well, that, that wasn't my question, though. How important is it to you that either one of the two has some experience in that job at some point? I would prefer it, but I don't know that it's mandatory. Okay. Jeff? I, I know that it's impossible at the GM position because of the candidates that's there. That's not, but the head coaching position at this juncture, I would prefer that somebody has head coaching of some head coaching, uh, and whether it's at the college level or the NFL level, it doesn't mean not at Charlie's, you know, uh, prerequisite of going to a Super Bowl things like that. Like I, I'm going to say, this isn't a guy I'm advocating for. I'm just giving you an example. Like a guy like Bill O'Brien. Okay. Very successful. You know that. Um, went back to the college, things like a guy, someone, I'm not saying him. I'm just saying something like that, that I, I, cause here's the thing. We know how the process goes with new coaches. They're already behind the eight ball cause they've never been in that position before. Joe judge, same thing. So I, at this point, trying to move forward to be successful quicker, I would like to see somebody with experience like, like a Flores. I, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's one that's going to be hard, you know, but, um, there's seven of them out, the seven teams that are looking for coaches. And so that's my answer, John. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I don't think there's a set formula, i got to be honest with no, you. No, I think it's a feel. I, it's I a think total feel. It can work both ways. We've seen it work both ways. So, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I guess I'm kind of in the Paul camp. Would it be nice? Sure. Maybe I'm even less on it than he is. You know, just get the right guys. I'm not, I'm not going to put a re- prerequisite on it. I've seen enough guys – that have never been a head coach before become a great head coach. I've seen it before with general managers. So just do the interview best you can, and I think you'll be all right if you hire the can, right guys. The one thing that just scares me a little bit is that I, I – and you guys, I think, will agree to this. It's just, you know, the process of becoming a head coach and the responsibilities of every day waking up and seeing all those hats on the wall, when there's a coordinator, you know, you're just so focused on one thing. And, 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 and that's why they may they do why they do so well possibly for like a Kellen Moore okay I'm just telling you right now he's an offensive coordinator he's not a head coach yet but he's always been focused on one thing the offense what I feel happens a lot of times is these guys move into the head coaching position and whether they do or don't call the plays it's just it becomes a distraction to them because they just haven't been there before and it just takes away from their focus that's that's all I can say and it can be a good situation and it can be successful but it can also be a disaster. That's why I'm leaning on somebody that's been there before. Jeff, Whether the teams will find it, I don't know. Great point, but I will say this too, and we haven't really talked about the head coach charts, but it's just not going to really happen until the GM search is over yeah. and we got time for that. But my priority here, and I'm going to annoy the hell out of you guys with this whole season long, I promise you. Offense, 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 offense. Fix the offense. Because that's the only way you find out about quarterbacks. That's the only way you can be good yeah. long-term is if you score points. So whatever it takes, figure out the offense. And I'm I'd rather the offensive genius be the OC. I don't, I, Here's I've, the told, problem. I've told you this forever. Paul, it's My real, head coach is not calling the plays. Here's the period. problem, Paul. How do you find an offensive genius as an OC? Yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to basically pick one and you hope that he becomes a good one. Correct. Right? That's sure. the problem. Sure. You can know a guy as an offensive genius already and make him your head coach. You can't do that if you're hiring an OC. Well, my head coach is yeah. not calling the plays. I am and I'm firm on that. By I the way, you're nev- not gonna drive me crazy with that, John, because that's the truth. 
I mean, that that is has to be fixed. I it, mean, may, the, it may wind up being that your OC comes from the college ranks because everybody's saying now the college game is bled into the pro game. You know what? Especially on offense. It has, yeah. So maybe that's what happens. Maybe. Good stuff. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm prioritizing offense. If that means my coach is calling plays, whatever. Don't care. <laughs> as long Get as he's doing it well. Get the best guy. <laughs> Get the best guy. 201-939-4513. Thank you on the phones all day today, folks. As a reminder, unless we have news and it's like, oh, we got to do something, we're not going to have a show on Monday for MLK Junior Day, Martin Luther King Junior Day. Um, but again, if something happens and there's news and there's a hire or something like that, we'll be here. Don't worry. I promise you we'll be here. So make sure we you check it out. Time. Otherwise, we'll be back on Tuesday next week at noon. And we're noon the rest of the way. And again, check out that Giant Tunnel podcast that just went up with uh, Tony Pauline and Eric Crocker. For Paul Dottino, for Jeff Eagles, I am John Schmelk. Have a great long weekend, and we'll see you on Tuesday for the next Big Blue Kickoff Live.